Jesus, here we are. God, here we are in this moment. God, I know that I'm not here on accident. I know that every man and every woman and every teenager in this room is not here on accident. That, God, you've brought us together this morning for a purpose. And, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do his work. God, I pray that my words wouldn't be mine, but they would be yours. God, I pray that I would be obedient to say what you've called me to say. And that, God, our lives would be impacted by your love, by your spirit. Open our hearts now, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The sermon this morning is entitled, You Are In. Sometimes we are looking for lots of areas to get in. Maybe it's college, and you get, there's all these video compilations on on YouTube of of people getting into college and how exciting that is and how their, their freak out videos of they got into college. Sometimes you want to get in to sit at the right lunch table at at school. It's the first day of school, and you wonder, am I going to be in, or am I going to be at the other table? Sometimes it's a a relationship or a date, and you want that to to work out for you. Sometimes you just want to be invited to something. The Bible is the greatest acceptance letter you will ever receive. This is better than getting into college. This is better than the lunch table. This is better than a date. This is better than absolutely anything in your life. And this morning I want to talk about what it means to be a child of God and the full acceptance of what that does for our everyday life. This is the greatest acceptance letter you will ever, ever receive. Before Jesus came to earth, We were doing everything we could to get to God. The human race, and today I want to talk about the human race as a a people, because we're all part of the human race, each and every one of us. But I want to talk about the human race outside of just in 2019, but the human race altogether. We were trying to get to God. We were trying, and God gave us ways to get to him to be perfectly holy we could get to God. But no matter how hard we tried, the door was closed. We saw that there must be a way, but there was no way for us to get in to the presence of God. We needed priests. We needed to make sacrifices to pay for our sins. You uh, needed all of these things to get close to God. Let's look at Mark 16, 1 through 18. It'll be right up here on the screen. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body. So where are we in, in the human race? We've been trying for thousands of years everything we could to get close to God. We've had all these rules and regulations, and then Jesus comes to earth, and people believe him to be the Messiah, the Savior, who's going to save us, who's going to bring us closer to God, and he dies. And we come to this place where Mary, this is an Easter sermon, excuse me, we're in Easter, but here we are in September. We come to this scene, this moment that changes everything. You see, everything between us and God, it was a door that was completely locked. It was padlocked and there was nothing that we could do to get in. Every key that we tried didn't work. 
But this day happened where Mary and Mary and Salome are bringing spices to the tomb of Jesus. They're on a holy errand. They're doing their good work, doing their good deed to go and anoint the body of their dead Savior. And here's where everything changes. Here's the corner for all of human history. Here's the moment that unlocks this padlock. Here's the moment that makes a way for us. Here's what happens. I'll read it from this version so we're all the same. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us for the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back It was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. They were surprised. They didn't know this was coming. This was still locked. Their Savior was still dead. This was not what they thought was going to happen. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, and Jesus was not there. And what Jesus did, that for all human race, for all of eternity, we were locked out. There wasn't a way. And Jesus was the key that unlocked everything for us. Jesus was the key that said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. And his death and his resurrection unlocked a door for us that we could not unlock. There was no key that we could, we could insert into this lock that would open it, and Jesus opened this lock for us. Jesus opened the way. All the time that we were trying to get into the presence of God, now there was a way, and the way was made through the cross, and now the door was completely open. The stone was rolled away, and there is a way to get into the presence of Almighty God, the best acceptance letter ever. And here's where it turns. The women were seeking after God. The women were coming to bring spices to Jesus. And now, Jesus was coming after them. Now, instead of us trying and trying and trying and trying, God is coming after you. The deep love of God can enter in to the human race. The deep love of God could enter in and come after you. Everything changed in that moment. The way is now open. The door is open. The the lock is unlocked. The resurrection meant that Christianity is different than any other religion because our Savior is alive. It meant acceptance for humanity into the family of God. How can this be? Can we think just for a minute about the resurrection? Can you think just for a minute that these people sitting in this room, that we are children of God? That God is now calling out to you. God is now extending an acceptance letter to you. Saying, there's a way to God. That's personal for every single man, every single woman, every single teenager in this room. There is an open door. And now we're not running holy errands trying to gain acceptance from God. 
We're not looking at, at all these different keys and say, maybe if I read my Bible enough, then the lock will open. Maybe if I attend church enough, the lock will open. Maybe if I hide my sins enough, the lock will open. Maybe if I have great kids that never do anything wrong, the lock will open for me. Maybe if I look the part, maybe if everyone around me sees what a good Christian and the good deeds I do, maybe then the lock will open. But guys, it's already opened. There is nothing you can do to add to the sacrifice of Jesus' blood. Nothing. No amount of good deeds can add to the blood of Jesus. His sacrifice opened the lock and it now cannot be closed. It is open. The door is open. God can come after you. But we look for ways to keep unlocking this. We look for ways to add to our holiness. That somehow, if I try harder, do better, act perfect, that God will love me more. When you go to church or uh, um, uh, any kind of concert or any kind of situation, you go in and you try to find the best seat where you can see the best, hear the best, get the best view, make sure you could take it all in. There's no best seat in heaven, friends. You're in. You're accepted. The acceptance letter has been given to you. Jesus died so that we're not running holy errands anymore trying to get on God's good side. You're already I am 100% going to heaven. Right? You're 100% going to heaven. What? I know who I am. I know my list of sins. I wish I made a list of them to put them up there so you could see how wretched I am and you could see the God and the depth of his love for me that covers it all. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to Yes, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that when I stand here, I'm righteous, even though I know that I'm not. We're going to heaven. <laughs> the lock has been opened. The door has been opened. We're going to heaven. <laughs> Our holy errands are over trying to gain acceptance. Nothing I can do can add to the blood of Jesus Christ. But we get sucked into this lie that we're not useful to God. Anyone here ever felt like, I'm just not good enough? You're in good company. Last week, I spent the week feeling like I'm just, God, I, I, I bleh. But he reminds me, it's not about the keys that you can find. It's not about the door that you can knock down. It's already opened and we find ourselves getting sucked back in to this idea that we're not useful to God. But friends, God loves you and he made you. He made you not just so he could hate you. He designed you. While you were still in your mother's womb, he made Cindy to be different than Valerie, to be different than Diana, to be different than Wendy, to be different than each and every one of us. He designed you, put you into the timeline of history, chose this time period, chose this country. 
He didn't design you this way so he could hate you. He didn't design you this way so he could point his finger at you as you mess up. He loves you. He loves you. You're going to heaven. He loves you. He loves you. I'm not here trying to get God to love me anymore. I'm not trying to get a better seat of heaven. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And now my eyes are on things above and the holy errands that I'm running are out of the abundance of the love of God in my life. I'm reading my Bible because I'm in love with a savior who opened a door that I didn't deserve to walk through. I'm praying because why wouldn't I pray to a God who wants the best for me, who created me? I'm serving in places, not because I'm trying to get better. I'm not trying to find a key to unlock a door. I hope this sits heavy with joy and excitement that you're in. I hope this sits heavy that we don't have to keep trying to find ways for God to love us, that he loves us. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read verses 13 through 20. This portion of scripture has been preached on a bajillion, million, trillion times. That many more times than Song of Solomon, which is like never preached on. Here we are, Matthew 16. Peter and Jesus are talking. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus is saying to his closest friends, who do people say that I am? If we were to ask that question today, if we were to get some of our closest friends or some people that we know and say, who is Jesus? They may say, oh, he's one of many ways to glory. They may say he was a good teacher, but I don't know if he's necessarily God. They would say all sorts of things about who Jesus is. The world today is not settled that Jesus was the son of God. America today is not settled on Jesus as the son of God. Our school system is not settled on Jesus as the son of God. A lot of families are not settled on the fact that Jesus is the son of God. But here's what Peter says. Some in those times, some are saying that you're John the Baptist. Oh, they were in a better state than we are today. They at least knew who John the Baptist was. They at least knew a little bit of the Old Testament. And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All those people were wrong. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So a supernatural impartation of faith happened in Simon Peter that he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. In your life, there needs to be a supernatural impartation of faith to know that Jesus really is the Son of God. And some of us are like association believers. We're those ones that believe because our parents believe, or we believe because it's the right, it makes me feel good to go to church. We believe because it's kind of what we've always done in our family. But, but Simon Peter had this supernatural knowledge. Jesus is who he says he is. And today my question is to you, do you have that supernatural impartation that you know Jesus is the son of God? Jesus is the one who opened the door. Jesus is the one who unlocked access to God. Do you know 
that Jesus is the Son of God. Some of us feel like God is a Sunday God, and Monday through Saturday, we're doing our own thing. This morning, I want to ask you, who do you say that God is? Who do you know that God is? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Savior? Is he the Rescuer? Is he that in your life? Who do you say that Jesus is? Messiah means Savior and Deliverer, Rescuer, your freedom, your pardon, your payment, your Deliverer, your Redeemer. And if you haven't known those things in your life, then you've yet to really dive deep into knowing who Jesus is. He wants to be your redeemer. He created you, he made you, he placed you in history, he placed you here, he placed you here this Sunday, and he loves you so much, designed you in your mother's womb, loves you so much that he wants to take you, and he wants you to be the healthiest you can be. He doesn't want to leave you in the state of despair. He doesn't want to leave you in the state of bleh. <laughs> because we can't measure how much this creator God loves you. It's so deep and it's so wide. He says, I'm going to redeem every sin. I'm going to take away all of that. But I also want to heal you and make you whole. So have you accepted Jesus? Would you say, like Simon, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Redeemer, and I'm going to trust you to transform my life. Not just that, oh yeah, God is a Sunday God. God is the God of your every day who can take an angry, mixed up person and make them kind and soft. Someone who can take someone who's so tangled up in life's worries and anxiety and depression and say, I want to fix this. And change you. Because, friends, he's done it for me. I was so angry when we first got married, angry at life, angry at this, angry at that, that uh, I was like one of those quiet, angry person, people, and <laughs> all of our pots and pans had dents in them because I would slam stuff down all the time. Our oldest adopted son, we had a little family meeting with him after he had lived with us for a little while because we, had, we were having some tensions in the house, and uh, we said, we went through this whole thing, and then finally we said, TJ, is there anything that you want to say to us? And he said, well, just one thing. He was super quiet about, shy about it. He goes, Jill, could you, could you not yell so much? <laughs> Oops. Slamming doors, mad at this, mad at this. It was everyone else's fault. Jesus, I need your help. And it wasn't because I tried really hard. It's just all of a sudden I started to notice it. All of a sudden when I screamed, I realized, ooh, I shouldn't do that. God, I need your help. It was the Holy Spirit that helped transform my anger into kindness, helped me deal with the issues that were right here in front of my face. It's a Jesus that transforms our lives, makes us that we're not what we used to be because he really is that Messiah, that deliverer, and it's not through us trying harder, it's through us surrendering more to Jesus. Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he really your savior? Is he really your rescuer? Let's look at Romans 10, 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. There's a period there. There's not and do this and volunteer in nursery and read your Bible 50 times and make sure you're praying three hours a day. Those things come out of the abundance of loving Jesus, but they aren't the way to salvation. The key has already been inserted into the lock. The lock is opened by Jesus. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Now, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're gonna start talking to him. He's gonna start delivering you from stuff. He's gonna start transforming you. Not in year one of Christianity, but every single year after that. If you're the same next year sitting here in September that you were today, then maybe, maybe, maybe you're not pressing in to Jesus because he continually transforms our lives. He continually heals us and brings us back to who he created us to be. We shouldn't be the same every day. Every day is an adventure with Jesus. God, what do you have to teach me today? Holy Spirit, good morning. What do you have for me today? And he begins to teach us and change us every single day of my life. Sometimes I feel like it's a unit test and we're just going at it and Jesus is teaching me all kinds of big things. Other days it's simple things. Jill, keep your mouth closed and learning to be quieter, learning to not insert myself in situations I shouldn't be in. God is teaching us every single day. So, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And baptism is an an outward expression of that. It's this creative expression that you've decided to follow Jesus. And so later on when Danny Ray gets in this pool, she's going to say, why do you want to be saved? Because I love Jesus and she wants you all to know. So when we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we start to live that way, he transforms us. Not just today, but every single day. And then you can ask this similar question that Jesus asked Peter. Who do people say that you are? Housewife, emergency room, registrar, welder, you know, whatever your job is, insurance claims person. (laughs) Um, Who do people say that you are? Anxious, depressed, divorced. Who do people say that you are? Dropout, failure, talks too much, work in slow progress, (coughs) fearful, messy, can't get a job, talks a lot, Who does God say that you are? If he is the rescuer, our savior, our freedom, our pardon, our payment, our deliverer, our creator, the lover of our souls, then when God looks at you, what does he see? We've confessed with our mouths, we've believed in our heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we turn from our sins, we say our sins are no longer defining us, but we want to live for Jesus. Now who does God look at you and see? Depressed. No. 
God doesn't see that in me anymore. Child of God. You're in. There's nothing else you you have to do. You are a child of God. You're going to heaven. The story never gets old. The truth never gets old. The door has been unlocked. The key has been inserted. You are a child of God. You live in freedom. You may feel like you talk too much. You may feel like you're depressed. But you are... The biggest label on your life is you are a child of God. The acceptance letter has been handed to you. Once you're accepted into college, then you're officially a a tiger or an eagle or whatever their, their thing is. You're officially one of theirs. You're in, friend. You're official. When God looks at you, he sees his children. He sees his daughters and his sons. We are free from this world. We are free from the anxieties of this world. We stand completely free. I just want to sit there for a long time. I just want to sit there in that moment. We are completely free. God is now coming after us, humanity. God is now knocking at the door of every heart. Instead of us knocking on his door, he's now coming up and saying, I'm going to leave the 99 and come find you. He's now saying, I'm going to leave everything else to come after you because you are, in, my, in God's eyes, you're, you're righteous. You're his child. If you had five children and one ran away, would you just let them run away and forget about them? No. You would go after them with everything. And Jesus is coming after hearts in this room today, saying, would you just come back to me? Would you remember that I am your Savior and Redeemer? Would you remember that God is your everyday God that wants to transform your life? There's there's that group of people, but there's also people here who have been trying really, really hard to impress God, who have been trying to come up with all the different ways to gain their freedom, all their different activities, all their different things. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the the lock has already been opened. The rescuer is here. He's come and conquered sin for all So we need to address a couple of those, those two things, those who haven't been letting God be their Messiah and their everyday God. We need to address the people who have been trying too hard to get into the things of God. But lastly, I want to bring up, if God has opened the door and set you free, if God has given you complete freedom and looks at you as child of God, looks at you as freedom, as forgiven, as his, then you have to go tell other people. can't keep this to ourselves. Go tell people what God did for you. We get so comfortable in our houses, 
and in our America. There's not a lack of people to tell. And your sphere of influence is different than mine. The place that you work, the place that you live, the family that you have. If you know that there is an open door to the God of heaven, if you know that sin can be completely forgiven, if you know that people's lives can be transformed, if you know this, we have to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have to do the thing that Jesus said right before he went into heaven. He said, go and do this. We can't measure the love of God. The Bible says we can't measure it with height or breadth or depth. If it were a liquid, if God's love were a liquid, it would fill up this entire sanctuary and burst out the windows because his love is so deep and so full and so much. We have to tell people. We have to tell our neighbors. We have to pray and say, God, open up an opportunity for me to tell the person next door, to tell the person uh, that I'm in relationship with. Help me to tell my neighbors. Help me to tell people that, God, you've opened up the door. Everything changed in that moment when, when the, the women were at the tomb. Everything changes. The, all of humanity starts a different course because the door is open. The thing is unlocked. We're ready. We're in. We're going to heaven. And now we've got to tell other people. We're going to take some, some time right now. If we could turn on some soft music, we're going to take some time right now and just address some of these things that we've heard. Let's bow our, our eyes and our hearts. God, I thank you for Jesus. God, I thank you for making a way for all of humanity to find you, for all of humanity to be forgiven, for all of humanity to be radically saved, redeemed, and changed. God, I pray that this Easter message God, I pray that this redemption message, this resurrection message, this message of hope, Would change us today. For some of us, it's just a giant, glorious reminder. But God, there's some of us that have to do business with you right now. There's some of us that this moment was created for. I want to ask if there's anyone here today who has not accepted the free love of God, who has not confessed with their mouth or believed in their heart that Jesus is the Savior. Today is your day. So if that's you today, I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not going to call you out in front of people. I'm just wondering if you would raise your hand and say, yes, today I want to accept. Today I want to confess. By raising my hand, I want to confess, Jesus, that you're real. If that's you today, if you've never accepted Jesus, would you raise your hand? All right, this day is for everybody else. There's some people here who have been trying really hard to gain God's acceptance. To gain God's love, to prove to God that he should love you, to show off to God, to say, God, look what I've done, now you'll love me. Some of us who haven't let the love of God wash over them, who haven't felt accepted by God before. If that's you this morning, and you want to brush off every other label of anxious, depressed, worried, this, that, you know what it is that you're carrying. 
Would you confess to God today and say, God, I want your love to wash over me? If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand and say, God, I want your love to wash over me? Thank you. I see your hands. I see hands all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for those with hands raised that, God, you would let them realize how deep your love is for them. There's no amount of things, checklists that we could do or things we could accomplish that would gain our acceptance. God, I pray that we would know that we know that we are accepted, that we're in, that we have the access to God, that Jesus looks, when God, when you look at us, you see Jesus, you see righteousness. God, I pray that you would wash over those hearts with your deep, deep love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And now lastly, there's a whole slew of us in here that need to begin to tell other people, radically tell other people about Jesus' love. To extend this acceptance letter, to go around handing out acceptance letters to our neighbors and our friends. I wonder if there's those here today that would raise their hand and say, God, I want an impartation of your Holy Spirit to help me to go and be a witness into all the world. If that's you today, would you raise? I see hands all over, all over. God, you see us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would empower us to be a witness. God, you created every person, and God, I know that your heart longs for the neighbors of the people in this room. God, I know that your heart longs for the coworkers of the people in this room. God, I know that you sent your son to die for those people, not just for us, but for each and every one. And God, I pray that you would open up opportunities to hand out these acceptance letters of the Bible, this acceptance letter that you've given. God, I pray that you would use us as your mouthpiece, as your hands, as your feet extended. God, I thank you for the powerful message of the gospel. God, I thank you that you have redeemed us, that you have rescued us, that, God, you continue to form us into the image of your son. God, I pray that each person would see you as an everyday God. When we call on your name every day, that, God, you would remind us that you are here with us. You are Emmanuel, God, with us in every moment. God, I pray for those who are being transformed. God, by the renewing of their mind, that they're transformed as they read the, the Bible. God, I pray for those going through those things. That, God, you would help us not be the same that we were yesterday, but continue to transform us. Ultimately, God, today we are just so thankful for an open door. We're in. Thank you, Jesus. And not by the skin of our teeth, but by the overwhelming power of the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we want to glorify you now. God, I pray that this message would sink deep in our hearts, that we wouldn't forget that the door is open. We wouldn't forget that you are coming after us. Help us not to be on holy errands, God, uh, trying to prove ourselves to you. But God, out of the abundance of our lives, help us to begin to do fruitful work for the kingdom of God. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.